Welcome to Haven, a podcast that is a safe space for curiosity. I'm your host, Haven, and today I'm curious about how to not botch a job interview. Okay, the topic, how to not botch a job interview. And I'm curious about it because I'm a part of a scaling company. I'm hiring a lot of people. We currently have 40 people on staff. And that really translates to like over 100 interviews. And some people really nail it and some people completely bomb. And I'm curious on how do you not botch it? So I have some thoughts. I'd love to hear yours as well. So the first thing I notice in a candidate is even before they get to me, because I'm the last round of interviews, but it's how they are in email communication. Do they seem excited about the position? Do they seem like they have a hunger? Are they in the meeting space, whether it's digital or in person, early? Can I tell that they're excited about it? That matters. Is this a job that seems like it would wake them out of bed every morning and they'd be thrilled to come to it? That, on top of obviously skill set matters and understanding the role, all of those things have to come in together. So what I vet it through is an EOS term. It's called GWC. Do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do the job well? Which is a little tricky in trying to vet out on the front of an interview. But there are some questions that I like to ask that maybe you can ask yourself about your current role or a job that you're going into of, do I want this role? Do I get what it means? Do I have the capacity to actually do it well? So the first question I ask is actually a capacity question, is I've already sent them the job description. They've already talked with other people on my team that have sent them on their way and approved them to come to me. And I basically say, what do you believe this role to be? And what's your relevant experience? What I'm looking for here is, do they understand the actual fundamentals of the job? that I'm trying to hire them for? like, And do they have any background of telling me of why they can do what they understand the job to be? The second thing is want it. They have to want this job. It has to be aligned with them in the timing. So I ask them why this and why now? That also kind of vets out a little bit of more and more data points of whether this is the right timing for this person. And the last one is get it is what does success look like in this role? Because you may have the capacity to do it. You may even want it. But if you don't fundamentally understand what a successful role looks like, then it's also a non-starter. So those are the things to consider for me on the employer side. But should I have been looking for a new job? Those are the questions I would ask myself going in. Is, do I feel like I could do this job well? So if going off of capacity, I don't have the capacity for it and I want it. What do I need to do to grow my capacity? What books do I need to read? Who do I need to ask? Who's already doing it and killing it that I can talk to and glean from their mistakes? Want it. If I don't want it, that's that's a non-starter deal breaker. Maybe I shouldn't even really apply for it. I get there are some jobs that are means to an end. Like does every barista in LA really want to be a barista and have a passion for making latte art? Maybe not. But still, you ultimately have to be where you don't hate your job every day. And then the last one of get it. What does success look like? Do I actually understand what the objectives are that I'm trying to accomplish here? 
And if not, again, where do I need to go? Who do I need to leverage? What resource should I tap into so I can do that? Those are the first questions to even get on the same page, but many people have botched it just in those particular three. I had someone last month where I asked them, what does success look like in this role? And he truly said, well, you know, ultimately money for me. And I thought, you really don't understand what I'm asking here. I'm asking how you can do the service to this company. And it's coming across like you just, you're just here for a paycheck, which to me doesn't matter. Of course, we're all in it for money. That's why we have jobs. Like that was such a stupid answer. Tell me of your greater overarching, what gets you excited to do a role. So after I determine whether they get it when it had the capacity, that's kind of a go or no-go moment for me. If I can tell that they don't in any of those areas, I thank them for their time. I follow up with them later over email. Before I, I forgot to mention, before I started, I asked them to take notes during the interview and email it over to me after just so I can gauge their writing ability and communication. So usually after they send that, then I'll let them know kind of the breakup email. But if it's a going forward, then I like to change it because essentially I am vetting them to make sure they can do this job, but they have to vet us too as a company. This has to be the right move for them. It has to be in line with who they are as a person. So what I like to say is I'll take you through our five core values as a company. And then at the end, I'd like to hear, does this resonate with you? Do you feel like this is who you are as a person? And then my business mentor, he recommended that you on this side of the fence as the employer, you explain your core values at such a high level that almost it scares the wrong people away of, oh, that isn't me. I don't know if I could cut it there. Or it enhances someone who already thinks that they are that way. So that's also on their side of the fence of, I want to try and as best as I'm trying to glean from them who they are, I want to explain to them who we are as well in the sense of, these core values are what we hire on. It's what we critique and correct on. It's what we'll fire on. It's what we even take our clients through because they matter that much to us to have a culture that's intentional and not just happening. So maybe even as you go into an interview, if it's not listed somewhere on their website, say, do you guys have core values? Or tell me about the person who you think is the best person in the company and what kind of characteristics do they embody? That'll tell you a lot too is what is the top performer in their like and what do they value? So at our company, we don't just say the core values in hiring and then occasionally bring them up. Every quarter, we'll have something called a quarterly conversation where we'll go through what is a tool, an EOS tool called the People Analyzer. And I'll go on one-on-one -on -one with a direct report and go through the core values and give them either a plus, means you exhibit these most all the time, a minus, which is, I don't really see you doing this consistently enough, or a plus minus, which means sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And we have a bar. If there are employees that are below plus minus on two to three, I think our bar is now three, then we say, hey, this is something that we need to address going forward. And we have specifics on there. But it's not a report card. It's not you're voted off the island. If you're below this, it warrants a good conversation going back and forth. I one time for someone I worked for, because I learned this tool from him, um, he, as we were going through the GWC and the people analyzer and the core values, plus or minus, um, he was saying, 
Well, at least on the want it, I can't really tell if you want it because you say that you want a uh, house here in LA and it's really expensive to do that on what you're doing with like me with this. I think at the time I was executive assistant um, project management. And I said, well, actually two things. I said, it's interesting. It comes across that way because I do want a house. I said, I also want to be a mom. And so ultimately having a job that's flexible and remote matters more to me. And I want to be an entrepreneur and you're an entrepreneur and I want to glean everything from you. So is executive assistant my end all be all? No, but I want to glean everything I can from you. And that's what I want out of the job. And that's what matters more. And it was great dialogue back and forth. So ultimately too, is a company, are they living their core values? Do they talk about it often? Do they have a dialogue if you're not living up to it? That's something to consider as well as where you're going to invest your time. You spend the majority of your week at work. So it matters what kind of company you're a part of. It made me curious too, because it's not just interviewing for professional roles. I also had to hire a nanny for my kids because I have two little kids and I still plan to be a working mom. And where do you find good help? How do you find them? What do you ask if there aren't referrals out there? So I had a little bit of a checklist of things and I would take everyone that I was considering for the role through it. And some softball questions were there intentionally. And then I had some kind of hidden ones. So I'll read off. I'm going to read off the list of what I asked whenever I had the specific criteria for trying to hire it. So at the time, I think it, my my kids were little because I think I was still was asking a question of like, do you have experience with prepping frozen breast milk bottles or whatever? So disregard those if you have little babies, but if you don't have little babies. But why did you get involved in childcare work? I want to know what their interest is there. How long have you been a caregiver? Why did you leave your last job? What are the ages of children you've cared for? What are your favorite ages to care for and why? What is your favorite part about being a nanny and least favorite? And then this was the question for me that was make or break it. What was the most challenging experience you had with a child you were taking care of? Because I had a couple people tell me that the most challenging things were the parents that they worked with. And on one hand, I know that that was their experience, but to me, it's a really big red flag if I'm going to be the problem between you and dealing with my child and you can't submit to my leadership in my family and my authority over my children. So for me, if they ever said parents, I just would pretty much end the interview after a couple minutes. And then I asked some specific things of what are specific activities that you would do? I think I had a two and a half year old and a six month old at the time. So what would you do with them? And are you familiar? I had specific techniques of baby led weaning or, you know, preparing frozen breast milk. Those are the things. But ultimately, that stuff didn't really matter to me. What mattered to me was the character of what they were answering with and who they were. And would I trust this person when they're alone with my children? I'm at work and my child hurts themselves. Are they going to um, validate that emotion and care for them and have empathy? Are they going to tell them to tough it up? Like, it matters to me the voices that are around my children when I'm not there. So that's what I'm looking for in answers. And that's what matters most to me. I would then have them come shadow a few times and ask all the questions in the world of where does everything go? What does it look like? And then when I hired someone, I didn't want these expectations that they ultimately knew all the best activities for sensory play. I would DM them things. I want to set them up for success. I would applaud when they took initiative over the top, almost so, of 
Thank you so much for taking them to the park and putting sunscreen on. That matters to me. And over time, I would slowly incorporate other things because my kids, it always killed me. They sleep so long. And then the nannies were just hanging out there when they slept. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm paying for three to four hours of hanging out. So I'd be like, hey, would you mind just switching the laundry or putting the kids' clothes away or doing the dishes? Or I tried to set up clear expectations. But what I found, too, is it ultimately turned into almost a mentorship where I would, at the end of the day, I would buffer enough time to genuinely care about who was caring for my child, where I would walk in the door and I'd pay them immediately, almost saying, hey, if we're staying, it's on your own time and it's just to hang out. But I also genuinely cared. A lot of them were young women. And what's going on in your world? What's going on in your life? How can I better support you? How can I be with you here in these moments? And it actually turned into something even more beautiful. We still have relationships where after they're done caring for my my kids, I still count them as friends and people that give me insight into a different generation and different cares and different worries. And it can be so much more than just a job. I guess that's what I'm kind of thinking about as I'm talking about who you hire in your company or who you hire in your home is what value are you giving back to them? What is their takeaway from being a part of your world? Whether you're a hiring manager, whether you're under someone, what is the value you're giving your manager back? What is the value that you're giving the person you're nannying for? What initiative are you taking? Or as an employer, how am I making their life better? How am I teaching them career career skills that will translate to if they ultimately have dreams outside of this? How can I help them with that? Do I even know what their dreams are outside of this? Or do I just care about what they're doing for me? Do I actually know what matters to them? Do I even ask and have enough time outside of those situations? Because for me, my I'm so focused. I'm a one-track person. I could just come in, thanks for watching my kids. I'm going to be in mom mode. But ultimately, there's a greater picture of why we're in each other's lives, too. So considering, why why did my path align with this person for this time? And how can I make it a little better for them? Those are questions that I think we get so busy we don't even really think about. That we get so in our groove of my experience and my life. Okay, this is going to be my hot take I'm going to add to. Is I know main character energy is all out there. Like, be the main character of your story. Be the most important thing. Um, I value side character energy because to everyone else in the world, I'm a side character in their life. I'm not, they are the main character. I'm the side character. How can I come in the scene and support them better? How can I come in and make this better for the life of their movie? Because again, I'm only main character in one movie. I'm side character in hundreds of other movies. So I think taking even that posture of whether you're hiring someone, whether you're going for a job of, How can I go into this space, add value for however long I'm there, and then I'm done? It's not forever, but it's looking at yourself through the lens of so much more than just this one little moment and how it affects you and how it's your life and the blinders on from that. But there's a lot of other people experiencing the world around you too. If I were to try and answer how to not botch an interview in a sentence, I would say, Don't be in the wrong interviews in the first place. Are you actually qualified for that job? Do you really want that job? 
Should you be there in the first place? And if so, then believe in the value that you're going to bring and have a posture of, I'm here to bring value. I can bring value. I want to grow your company or I want to take care of your children the way that you would when you're not there and love them. And then go from that approach. And then I don't think you're going to botch it. I think that translates. I think if you, again, GWC, if you get it, you want it, you have the capacity. And then if you take the overall posture of, I'm here to bring value and I want to make things better. I think that translates. When I think about the interviews that were just terrible, it was a miss on any of those. But the ones that soared, I had someone answer some of the best questions over the last month in an interview and it was because I could tell she deeply cared. She really cared. She was eager and teachable to doing things well. And she had a hunger to serve people and she wanted to have mastery in that area. So to me, it was just, I was almost asking the questions just preliminarily. I could just tell. She got it. So maybe you're asking, what if I'm in a job and I don't really like it and I don't really want it? I would... As an employer, I would look at your resume and see if you popped around a lot because that is a red flag and tells me more. Because there's a saying that says the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you're in a job, you don't like it and you just go to the next one. That to me tells me because you don't have discipline and self-mastery enough and persistence to push through hard barriers and to stick it out to the other side. So what I would do is I would tell you to ask a friend, hey, is this a pattern you see in my life? Or is this a job I really should get out of? Because a trusted close friend who doesn't just say things that you want to hear may tell you, yeah, it's kind of a pattern. And then that's a deeper question to go into. Or they may say, no, your job sucks. Like, let's help you find another one. Only they can really answer the people who know you on that. But it is a deeper question of, if you don't like it, has this happened a lot from you before? Or is this a one-time instance? Okay, so I'm going to answer some questions that were submitted as well. You can email over anytime to hello at havenpod.com or I'll do Q&A sometimes on Instagram. My handle is haventhepodcast. No exclamation point. Follow anytime. But one of them is, is education important on my resume? I guess it depends on the field. So if you're trying to be a doctor, yes, definitely important. Outside of that, I don't know. It's changing times. I'd be curious. Uh, To me, in the roles that I particularly hire for, not necessarily. It's more about experience and skill set and capabilities. Some out there, it does matter. I think that's more of a generational thing going forward is one thing it does show is potential social skills and commitment (laughs) to something for four years. Outside of that, after you get your first job, I don't know many people that ask, after that preliminary out-of-college job where you went to college and what your degree was, depending on what role you're in. So maybe in 50 years that answer is going to be no. Maybe even in 20 years. I don't know. I'd be curious. There's a lot of student debt out there, so that would make me cautious of it. For our kids, we throw in a certain amount to a 529 account that they can use for school. But I even told the person that we invest with, I said, I don't really want it to be there for their full tuition because I don't even know if they're going to go to school. I don't know what's going to happen in 20 years or what their interests are or what they care about. So who knows? I don't know if it's important. I guess it just depends on the job. How do I make my resume stand out when there are a lot of other applicants? 
I think structuring is really important of like, where's the eye drawn aesthetically? First and foremost of, I need to be able to see your name and see where you live and see your most recent experience in that order. And that I need to see how long you were there. What roles did you have? Did you grow within that role? Also as many data points as possible, as many metrics. It's not just I managed and oversaw people. It's how many people did you manage and oversee? What budgets were you responsible for? How many people were your direct reports? Or what was your day-to-day look like? Or what type of experience do you have? List every single platform that you know in a column because that's a helpful thing. Obviously with AI, there might be different ways to vet people outside of the human connection. So I would, if I were you, I would Google what is the most well-received resume and I would copy that. But for what I look like is I just need to be able to have it in a clear format, not muddled with a ton of words and jargon, but high-level key metrics, metrics specifically for what they did. But also, I think people should tweak their resumes depending on what they're applying for because that's going to get you through so much sooner. Like if you have um, administrative capabilities, it's different if you're applying for a project manager job versus an executive assistant job versus a personal assistant job. So if you really want the job, I think you should beef up those elements that are going to matter to who you're applying to because it's also different. I'm unhappy with my job. How do I leave? And should I be interviewing and having another job lined up before I quit? That's interesting. I think I'm curious about this one too because there's so many details of What does that mean for you? There's so many follow-up questions I wish I could ask. I would say on all terms, try and leave the best you can. Um, Someone said their mom told them to, if you're leaving a job, not leave with your head down and your tail between your legs. So I think as much dignity as you can, as much respect. Also, I would add, if you can take it a little step further, what I've done for the jobs I've left previously is I knew I was going to quit. So I set a little binder of here's what it takes to do the job. Like here's what needs to be done every week and every month. And here are the general cast of characters. And I hand that over when I quit where I'm saying, hey, I'm I'm going. I obviously don't want to burn a bridge here. So here's what it looks like to do my job well. If you want me to train someone, great. If not, that's fine. It's two weeks. So you tell me how you want to move forward. That leaves such a better taste in someone's mouth. They may be called upon futurely as your reference. So obviously that matters too, but just a relational dynamic of trying to leave off well on good terms if you can. I know it's not fine in every area and it's not applicable there, but it's going back to the saying, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. If you lead your life with honor and dignity and trying to do the right thing, that'll translate overall too. And then the question of, should I be looking for another job before I quit? I would. <laughs> I would totally look for another job and see if you can line something up before you just, you know, throw yourself three sheets to the wind and don't have an income. Yes, you should definitely find another job before you quit. I'm not confident in public speaking, so I get nervous in an interview. How do I combat that? I think being very, very, very prepared of what you definitely want to say. And some things that our real sweet spot is check out who you're hiring, who you're applying for and look up their website and pull one phrase that you want to say, you know, I saw on your website and that really spoke to me and I see it in my own life, X, Y, Z. Just have one thing that you really definitely want to get across 
And then just know they're going to ask the general questions of why did you leave your last job? What did you do in your last job? What makes you interested in this job? Just the general things of knowing what's probably going to come and maybe even write it or have it typed. If it's a Zoom, you can do a split screen. Just have your notes to the side. And even I'll take it a step further is it's pretty obvious if you're looking back and forth when they come on Zoom, stare at your notes the whole time. So they think that you're looking at them, but really you're just reading off your notes. And then if it's an in-person interview, I would just say, hey, I get you know nervous, but it's because I, I really care about this and I really want to do a good job here. So if I stumble over myself, just forgive me, but know that it's not from a lack of care. So maybe even try and preemptive that going into the interview too. So thinking about the question of how to not botch an interview, I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it's about knowing the value that you bring that you want to lead with going into all of your answers. I think it's about the care and the character that you want to translate. And then also, ultimately, you're going to be the most confident when you actually have the skills to do the job that's required. And so leaning into those two and explaining what you've done previously that would translate to why you could do this job well. So those are just my stream of consciousness thoughts. Thank you for listening again. It's my second time doing a podcast, so all of the like and subscribes. I don't even know all those platforms yet, but I trust that maybe by my third episode, I'll know exactly the call to action here. But outside of that, follow me on Instagram, Haven the Podcast. It'll be on TikTok too. Um, I'll link it in my bio because I actually don't know what the handle is right now, but I'm sure I'll figure it out by the end. But thank you. Submit topics to hello at havenpod.com. I'd love to hear what you're curious about, what maybe you disagreed with from this podcast or what I should have said that I didn't. Any follow-up, I'd love some feedback. So thank you for your time and I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>